0: Acts chapter 9, and I am super excited about today's message. Turn to your neighbor or your imaginary neighbor and say, super exciting, super exciting. It's going to be super exciting. And if you have your Bible, again, it's going to be in Acts 9. We're going to start in verse 1, or you can follow along on the screen. But here we go. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any of the followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down on him, And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. His companions led him by the hand of Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. Go to over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He's praying to me right now, and I have shown him in a vision ...of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. And the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel... And I will show you him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly. Turn your neighbor and say, Instantly. 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 Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food, and he regained his strength. Last part. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Immediately, he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? I asked, and didn't he come here to rest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus they couldn't refute the proof, his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while some of the Jews plotted to kill him. So this morning as we break down our story, my title is called While the World Is Waiting. So turn to your neighbor and say, While the world is waiting, why the world is waiting. So we see at the beginning of this story, Saul was a man who was filled with hate. And he hated, who did he hate? He hated Christians. Saul in this story in the very, very beginning, and obviously from beginning to end, there was a big difference from where we started with Saul, where we ended with Saul. And where we started with Saul was a man who was filled and he was consumed with hate. Have you ever hated anybody before? Have you ever hated anyone how many of us know how many of uh, how many of us know what hate feels like? How many of you know how it feels to like pump through your blood? That when you see someone instantly it's like you you go from 0 to 100 miles an hour and hate has taken over. And ask yourself for a second, is hate a good thing? Is it good to hate anyone? How many of us in the last year and a half have seen a lot of hate in our country? How many of us have seen a lot of hate around the world? Do you think that's something that God did or maybe somebody else did? God, do you think God caused the hate or did somebody else cause the hate? Somebody else, right? Hate is not from God. No matter what people say and do to us, we never, ever take the side of hate. Hate is disgusting. Hate hurts, and it not only hurts other people in your life and those around you, but it hurts you. How many of us have ever heard of cancer? Isn't that an ugly word today? Isn't cancer a very disgusting word? And how many, you know, I've lost a few people that I know to cancer. It is just disgusting. As soon as you say that word, man, everything in us just goes, I hate that. One of my customers that I've had for probably 12 years, uh, about two months was diagnosed with cancer, and he's been going through treatment, and, it, and just it's sad when you watch someone who, who gets this and the hell that they go through as they're getting treatment. It is an ugly word, but you know that's what hate does to your body. When you dislike someone, When you dislike someone, when you allow someone to get under your skin, it's like you allow cancer to take over, and it will eat you from the inside out. Even if someone did something horrible to you, even if someone stabbed you in the back, even if they stole your car, they stole your money, they stole your cars, they stole this, they stole that, no matter what people do, if you allow hatred to take over, it's you that will be consumed with cancer. Hate is. Is destructive. And so we started with a story, and we're painting this picture of Saul a man who, in the very, very beginning of this story, he hated who? He hated the Christians. He hated Christians. And why did he hate Christians? You know, John 3:19 tells us judgments based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil, they hate the light, they refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Why do people hate Christians? Why do people hate the United States of America? Inwardly, people are scared to death. Inwardly, people are scared to death of others finding out what's going on inside of them. You know, some people have a hard time with dealing with the fact that they have to answer to God one day. They don't want to answer to God, right? How many of us know people, they want to live life and even us at different times of our life, we want to live life however we want to. We don't want to answer anybody. We didn't want to answer to mom and dad. We don't want to answer to our spouse. We don't want to answer to our boss because our boss is stupid. How many of us, we do not like answering to other people? And so there's many people in this world today, atheists, non-believers, haters of the cross who they, they do not think that they have to one day and they don't want to answer to God why because they want to make every mistake that they want to make without feeling bad about it you know God designed us in a way if you really look at us we're so uniquely made that when you were a kid the very first time you made a mistake you felt bad for it the second time you made a mistake you felt bad for it again but by the time you become an adult how many adults today make mistake after mistake after mistake and you know what happens You stop feeling bad for it because you've lost the conviction. You've lost that feeling of, oh, my gosh, I've done something wrong. And it's sad because we live in a world today where as Christians have fallen onto this path as well. Many Christians live in this path and they live in this area where they don't feel bad for making mistakes anymore. Yes, God died for our sins. Yes, he paid the price. But at the same time, he said, don't use your freedom to sin, right? As Paul was on his way to Damascus and he wanted to go and rest everybody, remember hate, hatred pumping through his blood towards Christians. Immediately it says that there was a light from heaven that shone down, that shined down on him, right? It shined down on Paul. And immediately, you know what I love in this story? You gotta, you gotta picture it in your brain and paint the picture. Immediately this great light shines down from heaven. Paul gets knocked off his horse. Paul is on the ground, he's on his knees, this light is shining down, and then God, Jesus, and him start having this conversation. This great, bright light is shining, just like a spotlight, right down on Paul, and they start having this dialogue, this conversation. The men that were around him, it says that they heard the sound, but they had no idea what was going on. They heard the sound. They heard the sound of of Paul and Jesus having a conversation, but they had no idea what was going on. You know, sometimes in believers, we hear the sound of what God's doing, but we don't understand it. Have you ever been around a Christian? Have you ever been around a believer, and you know that God is doing something? You just don't know what it is. And even in our own lives, how many of us, we know that God is he's alive, he's living, and he's doing stuff. We know that God is doing things because we see him doing things in other people. But yet sometimes we ourselves, we hear it, but we don't really see it. John 3, 8 says, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You know, sometimes Christians take on the mindset that they need to explain God from beginning to end. Sometimes we take on the mindset that we have to explain every single thing about God, that we need to defend God, that we need to stand up. Yes, and at times we absolutely do. We got to stand up and we got to step up and we got to defend God, this, that, and the other. But sometimes God needs you to step out of the way so he can get through to the person that you're so worried about. Sometimes we as people, we become so emotionally attached and so concerned about one person. And just like our Just One campaign, maybe you're thinking of one person who needs Jesus and you're thinking, dear God, please, this person needs Jesus desperately. But sometimes in our Just One campaign and even in our lives, you know what we can do? Sometimes we become so emotionally attached, so emotionally worried that we are in the way of God moving on this person. We know God wants to. We know that he should. But sometimes it stops us. Sometimes it stops us from what God wants to do. And so I want to encourage you this morning. God is God. God is almighty. He is powerful. He is amazing. He is wonderful. He is God. God can change the world. He can change every single heart, right? God moves the way that he wants to. And sometimes... All we have to do is just get out of the way. For a man who was consumed with hate, as this light shines down from heaven, what's the first thing that happens to him? He becomes blind. He becomes blind. And for Saul, in this, in this three-day period, Saul doesn't eat, he doesn't drink, and he's blinded for three days. And I want you to think about Saul in, in his mind, in his head, what is he thinking for three days? He's not eating. He's not drinking. He has this experience where, again, remember, you got to paint the picture. He's on his way to Damascus. What is he doing? He's trying to arrest Christians. He's trying to get him. He's trying to put him in jail. And as he's on the way, God has this connection. God has this moment with Saul where a light shines down. God speaks to him. He hears it audibly. He hears it. He sees it. And then instantly instantly he's blind. And it's not like the blindness lasted. I don't know if you've ever looked at something bright and all of a sudden you couldn't see for a second, right? And then, you know, like 20 minutes later, five minutes later, you start seeing again. This man was blind for three days. Three days. What happens in three days? There's a lot that happens in three days. We know that Jesus rose from the grave Right? Jesus rose after three days. There's a lot that happens in three days. And for this man, I think he had a lot of time to think. How many of us know how to think? How many of us we don't like to think? How many of us we think too much? How many of us during the day we're thinking by the end of the night, man, we want to take off our head. It's just, it's been running and spinning and out of control. It's like, ah! I don't like it. But I think for a second this man saw started thinking about, what did I do? Why did I allow so much hate into my heart? Why did I become so hateful towards people that God had to knock me off my horse? What was it? Before this story, before Saul gets converted and gives his life to God, we know that he watched someone giving his approval being stoned to death that people took large rocks and they threw it on on this man and watched as he died. As Saul stood there giving his approval, so pleased that there was another Christian who was killed. I think for three days he probably was thinking about this man that he watched die and thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done with my whole entire life? And some of us this morning, God needs you to take a three-day moment where you ask yourself, Have I invested my life? Have I invested myself in things that are worthwhile and the things that God wanted me to? You know, as we get to the end of our life, as we get to be 90 and and 100 years old, you know, you're going to one day look back and say, Did I give God my all? Did I give people my all? that I truly do what I was put on this earth to do. Every one of us has a job. Every one of us has a calling. You are unique in who God made. You are special. You are amazing. You are a unique person. You are. There's nobody, nobody like you. There is only one you. But sometimes in life, as we get along the way, God has to stop us because how many of us have seen we get off track? And how many of us have seen, even in the past year, you have COVID, we have bills, we have life, we have jobs, we have families, there's babies coming. How many of us, it's so easy sometimes to get off God's track and just remain on life's track? It is so easy. There's so much life happening. And you know what? The next 50 years, 60 years that you're alive, life is still going to happen. There could be a COVID 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 by the time that we die, right? Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen in the next 50 years? But there's one thing, there is one thing that we do know God put you here for a reason. And that reason is it, you will only, you will only die a happy, satisfied person if you fulfill what he's put you here to do. Saul runs into a man named Ananias. And is this guy, it's a beautiful, wonderful story of a man who was a Christian. Turn to your neighbor and say, Ah, you know those Christians. Ah, you know those Christian, those Christian men, they're wacky sometimes. But Ananias, he's hanging out, he's kind of in prayer, and he's hanging out, and he's kind of waiting on the Lord, and God calls out to him and says, yes, yes, Lord, what is it? Where's my next mission? Am I going to Hawaii? Did I get to go on the boat? Am I going to go, you know, surf my longboard over there? Do I get to go preach to these people over here? And he says, no, 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 no. Ananias, you're going to go see a man named Saul. No, no, no. And he goes, whoa, God, Saul? That guy hates me. He hates me and my family, and he doesn't like my dog either. He hates everybody. But Lord, 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 Lord. And so the question is, if God's put you here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, does he always send you to the people that you want? Does he always send you to the people you want? In this story, here's a Christian man. This man is a praying man. He is a God fearing, God believing man. And all throughout the Bible, Ananias wasn't the only one who said, But Lord, I know. But Lord, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord. Even in this room today, how many times have we said, But Lord, ah, I don't have the time today for you. But Lord, I don't want to talk to that person. They're stinky, they're smelly, they could be dangerous, they just look funky. But, Lord, Lord, but, Lord, Lord, but, Lord, we are so good as people, men and women throughout the Bible, and even as Christians today. Where does God typically send us the most? Where you don't want to go. Where you don't want to be. To the person you don't want to talk to. Just like Ananias here. And so Ananias, he finally, he gets done of, you know, arguing with the Lord, and he says, fine, I'll go. I'll go, probably with his head down. Have you ever done something that you didn't want to? How many of us, you know, it's funny. How many of us as adults, we still can pout just as good as we did when we were a little kid? And the minute, you know, whether it's for our spouse, our kids, ourselves, or God, and we have to do something that we don't want to do, how many of us adults, we are professional powders. We put on our frowny face and, fine, I will do it. I'll clean out the garage, even though I don't want to. <laughs> Fine, I'll take out the trash. Fine, I'll clean out the dog dew. Fine, I'll I'll do this. How many of us still do things with our frowny faces because we feel like we're entitled to it? Ananias had to go lay his hands on a man and he had no idea if he was gonna be arrested. How many of us are afraid to do something for God because we're afraid of the outcome? Ananias was afraid of the outcome because he heard. This guy saw. He's powerful. He has the power of all the priests in Jerusalem behind him, and all they want to do is arrest the Christians. So, what was he afraid of? He was afraid of the outcome what is god asking you to do today what is god asking you to do in 2021 that you're afraid of the outcome that you're afraid you're afraid you have no idea what to do ananias he finally gives in and he goes and he comes to saul and he says saul god has sent me to you and you're going to regain your sight and you're going to be filled with the holy spirit And soon as he lays his hands on them, and as soon as he says those words, instantly it says the scales fell from his eyes. Scales, something. You know, there is a real spiritual thing, these things that are described as scales here. And you know what they do? They stop people from all over the world seeing and hearing the truth. There are real, imaginary, not imaginary, but they're like these, these giant spiritual scales. And Saul, in this moment, he loses the scales, and in one second, he gains his sight, and instantly, he gets baptized, he has a burrito, and you know what he does? Instantly. Now, if you regained your sight after losing it for three days, most of us, we might go to the bathroom, and we might just have a a great time. We might want to go see a little stream that's our favorite, go climb a rock, we might do this. What is it? immediately that Saul does as soon as he gets baptized, grabs a burrito. What does he do? He starts preaching. He starts preaching. Something had changed inside of Saul. Something had changed inside of this man. God had a powerful interaction with this guy, and there was nothing and there was no one that was going to stop him because immediately he had found one thing that he was looking for. Saul had found the very one thing that, had, that he had searched his whole entire life, Jesus Christ. And so immediately, turn to your neighbor and say immediately, he had given his life now for a new cause. And that was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love it because it says that he was so powerful. And you know why it was so powerful? Because it was the story and the personal thing that Saul went through with God. It was something that it was, became his story now. It was his life. It says that everyone that he talked to, they couldn't refute it. They couldn't stop it. It was so powerful, and it was so true. They could not disagree. They had no proof. Nothing could stand against what Saul was saying here. And so this morning, God told me to tell you that you are, just like Saul was in the story, you are the living word that he has put here on this world. You are the living word. You are a living, breathing story that God has put here. Just like the Bible says that this is alive and it is powerful. Every single one of us this morning, he has put you here to be the living word of God. That as he does things in your life, as he moves, as he gives you testimony, as bills get paid, as promotions come, as this happens here and healings happen there, God has put us here to be the living word of God. Everywhere that we go and everything that we do, even in our jobs, even where we work, no matter where we are, no matter what we do, in the workplace, in our homes, to be the living word of God. You see, because as my title is, While the World is Waiting, God's called you to be the living word, but yet many stand by and be silent, and the world is waiting for you. The world is waiting for you. You are, did you know that you're the most powerful preacher in the world? You are the most powerful preacher in the world. Teacher, evangelist in the world. No one can take that from you. No one. But you know who normally does? Ourselves. And you know who no- we normally allow to stop us as well? The devil. You are powerful, just like Saul in this story. You have a powerful story to tell. You know, for believers who grew up in the church and they've never left a church, that is a powerful story to tell. It is absolutely powerful. Now, Saul's story is a story of hate and murder and killing and arrest and all the ugly things that he went through, being knocked off a horse, light shining from heaven. He has a powerful moment with God. And no doubt, most people, they love hearing powerful stories like that. But just as powerful as Saul's story is as powerful as your story. You have a powerful story. You know why? Because you're alive, you're living, you're breathing, and you're here this morning. God has brought you to this point in life. God has brought you to where you are right now. There are many times we look back and say, I don't know how I survived last year. I don't know how I survived the past 20 years because my husband's a knucklehead, right? Many of us look back and say, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I got to this point. God has preserved you, God has brought you through, and God has brought you here this morning because he needs you to hear something loud and clear. He needs you to know and hear and understand that you are a very strong, powerful, anointed pastor, teacher, preacher. You are a living word of God. Acts 1-8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, San Sanasano, Val Vista, and to the ends of the valley. God's Holy Spirit is meant to come upon us in in this dynamite, miraculous power for one reason. Jesus says here to what? To be a witness. 2021, we're already into July, right? How many of us thought 2020 would never end, right? How many of us thought 2020 is never going to end? It just keeps drawing, drawing. What's up? How you doing? You know, we thought 2020 is never going to end. And here we are. We are halfway through 2021. Oh, my gosh. But while the world is waiting, how many people have we passed by And not been the living word that God's put us here to be. How many people have you passed by in this six months and not shared one testimony? How many people have you passed by in 2021 and you not even said anything about prayer or healing or God or Jesus? They don't even know how many people have we passed by in six months just this year and they have no idea that we go to church. In six months... God's put us here, and, and we started this Just One campaign. One of the most exciting things that you can do is it starts real easy and simple. Can I just invite you? Can I just give you a card? And I guarantee you, after you do one, after you do two, you're going to become addicted. You're going to ask for 4,000 cards because you're going to start loving, asking, and talking with somebody. Because it's what? It's what God's put you here to do. Stand with me. We're going to close and pray. Mark six fifteen says this sixteen fifteen. It says, And then he told them, Go into all the world, preach the good news to everyone, especially those in Hemet. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name, they'll speak in new languages, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. The last thing that Jesus said before he went away, go into all the world and preach the good news. He didn't say, and we're just doing one, but he says to everyone, anyone who believes needs to be baptized and be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe has got to be condemned. And he says, these are the signs that are going to follow those who believe. Now ask yourself do I believe? Do I believe? Do I believe in God? Do I believe in God the Father? Do I believe in his son Jesus Christ? Do I believe in the Holy Spirit? Do I believe that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead? Do I believe that same Holy Spirit is here with me right now? That same Holy Spirit is right here and he's coming inside of me. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Right now he's giving life to my body. He's giving energy to my body. He's Filling up and pumping up my muscles like Arnold. The Holy Spirit is here, and He is here this morning to be with me. But Acts 1 8, he's only here for one reason. And he's only here to empower you for one reason to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Sometimes Christians think, oh, well, if I get too focused on that, then I'm gonna struggle on my job and I'm gonna struggle at home. It doesn't work like that. You know what Joel talked about in tithing today? Learning to plan ahead. Is there anything wrong with being a Christian and planning out your life and your time? This is my work time, this is my God time. I'm going to preach here for 3 hours, then I'm going to work for 30 minutes, and then I'm going to preach for another 3 hours, and I'll work for another 30 minutes. I'm going to have one donut, and then I'm going to go back to preaching for 3 hours. Right? Why not organize yourself and organize your time? God put you here for one reason. One reason. Be the living word. For people to see and listen to Saul helped change the world Saul had a powerful testimony this poor man after this conversion this man he was beat up he was whipped he was beat he was shipwrecked he went through hell on earth but you know in his mind it was if I can just help one more person And some of us this morning, spiritually, that's how we feel, that we've been shipwrecked at times. And spiritually this morning, some of us, we've had hard paths and hard lives. But no matter what we've gone through, you know what the time is? It's only time to look ahead. I am the living word of God. I'm powerful. My story, it matters. My testimony, it matters it matters. What God has done, what God has brought me through, it matters, and it will change the world and where I live. Let's pray.